1 John chapter 4, verse 18, Romans chapter 8, verse 35 through 37. I, I wrote this sermon quite a, a while back ago. It was in the middle of the whole pandemic, the whole uh, lockdown and quarantine. And, you know, you begin to see what people were going through. You saw the assault on the church. How people left the church and all this crazy stuff that happened. You know, and, and during the uh, quarantine, I began to read more and more and more because I like to read. I like to read books. I enjoy it. I like to expand my knowledge. So I had time to read. So I was reading about, many of you might have heard of Alexander the Great. He was Alexander of Macedonia. And at the age of 20, Alexander the Great reigned for only a little over a decade. And a decade means 10 years. So think about this. This 20-year-old man, for 10 years... He reigned, meaning that he controlled a large part of the world. He is remembered as a fearless leader and a great ruler. That he built an empire which borders ranged from Greece and Egypt through Babylon and Persia. You can look at a map and he controlled this big part of this country. And even today, his achievements are amazing and fascinating. He was a military genius who used guile, which means cunning intelligence, ingenuity, and lateral thinking to defeat often vast superior forces. Alexander the Great conquered most of the ancient world in less than 10 years. He never abandoned his army and always fought alongside with them in the thick of the battle. While he is usually referred to Alexander the Great, some people think he should be called terrible instead because of all the wars he fought. History remembers him for his reputation as a fearless conqueror and ruler. But despite this, there's no denying that his conquests changed and helped shape the ancient world when he was mysteriously when he mysteriously died undefeated at the age of 32. Now think about this. Think of a 20-year-old person that you know or you think of yourself when you were 20 years old. What did your life consist of? Who you were at 20 years old? I know I was a rascal out there doing dumb things. But yet, here you have Alexander the Great, a 20-year-old man that was fearless, fearless. Yet he conquered majority of the ancient world. If you look at a map, and people are fascinated with Alexander the Great because they understood this young man was fearless. He was able to conquer countries. He was able to do amazing things in less than 10 years. I think about, um, as I was reading about his life and the stories, and you can look up the stories for yourself. I'm like, dang, what did I do in the past 10 years? I, I, you know, I'm living for God, but yet you look at this man and what he did. But you know what? I began to think about Alexander and I began to think about the Christian lives. So I've entitled this The Great Conqueror. 
Because Alexander fought many fierce battles in the physical. And you see the battles. There were gruesome battles. He never abandoned his, his troops. He was there fighting with the sword. They didn't have guns back then. He fought with swords. So it was an intense, fierce battle. Close to close combat. That he fought many fierce battles. But you, but you and like many others are fighting the invisible enemy. And we understand that COVID-19 is referred to as an invisible enemy. But you know what? We're fighting another battle, another invisible enemy. And it's not COVID-19. But it is a spiritual battle that comes from it. And that is fear. That fear is a battle that many people have succumbed to. But you don't have to buckle under it. You don't have to give in to fear. Because living in fear is agony. If you know what agony means, it means misery. It is no way for a Christian to live. It is God has not made you to live in fear. God has not created you to buckle under fear or to live in agony. But rather that you embrace your failures. You have to embrace your failures. I failed many times in my life. But you know what I've done? I've grasped my failures. You know what? I'm going to learn from this. And you know what? And the devil will always bring up your failures. He, was, he will always bring up where you've fallen short. I see this throughout my life. People try to bring up my past, who I was before. And you know, it's okay because that's not who you are anymore. But you know what? The devil is, has this guileness to him. He, this cunning way to bring things up. Not that because, oh, this is who you are now, but to kind of put it in your face. Hey, you remember what you did? You remember this thing in your past? You have to grasp where you are at now. Look at your life where you're at now. Analyze your life. Examine your life. Then you take the challenge and you become relentless. What does relentless mean? It means unbroken. It means unstoppable. You know, there, there's a guy that I follow. I, I watch his YouTube stuff. I forgot his name. I can't think of it at the top of my head. But he's trained Michael Jordan, trained Kobe. And there's three criteria that he uh, names each kind of person. But the top of the, uh, at the top of who they are, he calls them cleaners because they know how they get the job done. They know how to be relentless. You look at Jordan, you look at who Kobe Bryant was, even though I didn't like Kobe because, you know, the whole Spurs and Lakers rivalry. But you look at their lives and you say, you know what, man, this dude was relentless. Because I heard interviews of who Kobe was and how much heart he put into his game. And when everybody left, he stayed behind. He was the first one to show up and the last one to leave. That he was relentless. And you know what? Us as believers, we have to be relentless. We have to be the first person to show up, the last person to leave. That we have to be relentless. We have to be unbroken. It doesn't matter what happens in our life. So, so you know what? I'm not going to allow that to break me. I'm not allowed that to stop me to become who the person God has called me to be. 
I'm going to be unstoppable. You have to understand, nobody is born fearless. Nobody is born fearless. We all have fear. Look at Alexander the Great. He wasn't born fearless. You look at his accomplishments. You look at what he has done. He wasn't born fearless. You're not born fearless. But you know what? It is a safety mechanism God has instilled within our being. But like anything else, you can overcome it. And if you're not careful, it could overcome you. If not balanced out. If you don't balance out fear in your life, it's going to overcome you. But you have to understand it, analyze it, and say, you know what, I'm going to be unstoppable. I'm not going to allow this to crumble my walk. You have to understand that you're not weak. People associate fear with weakness. If, I'm fe- if I have fear, I'm weak. That is not true. That you're not weak. But that you're not where you want to be. You can look at your life and say, you know what, I do have fear. But you know what, That's not, that does not define me as a weak person. But rather, you know what, I have fear, but you know what, I'm not where I want to be. This is where I want to be. And that's okay, because I've come to the realization in my walk before. But after today, and I believe by the grace of God, after this message this morning, if you allow God to speak to your hearts and receive what God is trying to speak to you, you will be equipped to become relentless. That you could leave this morning freed from fear and say, you know what? I'm going to become relentless. I'm going to be unbreakable. I'm going to be unstoppable. It doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter what she said. It doesn't matter what he's saying in my life. I'm going to be unbreakable. I'm going to be relentless. And I'm going to be unstoppable. There's nothing that's going to stop me to fulfill my purpose, my calling, my destiny. That Alexander wasn't born fearless. You just, I encourage you, look at who Alexander was. You know, of course, this wasn't a man of God. Alexander the Great wasn't a Christian. He wasn't a born-again believer. He had his bad things, but at the end of everything, if you look at the center of who he was, he was a fearless young man. 20 years old, it blows my mind. 20 years old, by the age of 32, he had conquered majority of the world. We know we're not born fearless, and we know that by God's law. It wasn't that he didn't have fear. It wasn't that Alexander the Great did not have fear. Or when I say fearless, that doesn't mean you will never have fear in your life. Or that you have to rid yourself of that emotion. We think, I have to be fearless. I have to remove fear in my life. I could never uh, have the feelings of fear. That's not what I'm saying. Nor that's not what I'm implying. Because we understand that's impossible. It is physically impossible to remove fear in your life. Because that is, like I said, a safety mechanism God has given us. But you know what Alexander did? He knew how to deal with it. 
Alexander the Great knew how to deal with his fear. He knew how to confront it and rechannel that fear into power to overcome his enemy. And that is the issue many days now that we're afraid to confront issues. We are afraid to confront things that are not right. And people don't like confrontation. That's why when you confront someone and you tell them, no, you are wrong, people get mad and say, you know what, I'm never coming again, Pastor. I, I don't like this church because you're judging me. No, I'm confronting the issue. You're wrong. You shouldn't be fornicating. You shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be texting a girl. You shouldn't be texting a guy. You shouldn't be meeting up, pouring out all your issues to the opposite, opposite sex. Oh, they're a cult. They try to control. No, because you, you know what happens when, that, when you continue to go down that path? It leads to immorality. But when you confront the issue, people are like, oh, man, you're judging me. You have to confront it. You have to rechannel the fear into power to overcome the enemy. You have to confront your fear. That's what Alexander the Great did. That he confronted his fear and said, you know what, I'm going to let this fear overcome me. And that is what you need in order to move forward and what we are facing in this unprecedented time. This is what you need. You need to confront the issues of your life. Confront them head on. And then re-channel that into power. Holy Ghost power. Yeah, with the whole COVID thing, we've had new words that we've never heard in our life. Never heard of social distancing. We never heard flattening the curve. Or you hear this dumb thing, stay home, stay safe from the Nazi mayor, dude, that dude gets on my nerves. But listen, if you don't grab a hold of it and deal with it, it will dictate your life. Fear will dictate your life if you cannot grab it and deal with it, confront it. At work, man, we've been slammed with work. With the whole thing, people are coming buying eggs, rice, beans, all this crazy stuff. And you know, I see this lady with like a, a shield and then she has like three masks on and she has gloves. I'm like, dude, like, because people are gripped by fear. You know, 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 tells us, I encourage you, open your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. And you can put a little star, you can underline this, circle this. And listen, like I said, I wrote this like in the middle of the whole pandemic and the whole quarantine thing. Many of us didn't even know what the word quarantine meant. So don't feel like, oh, pastor, you're preaching this because of me. No, I wrote this before any of y'all were here. But 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 tells us, listen very closely. This is God's word. There is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. But perfect fear casts out, love, casts out fear. But perfect love casts out fear. Because fear hath torment. And here that feareth is not made perfect in love. Listen to what this is saying. That there is no fear in love. 
If we say that we're Christians, then we are made perfect. We're made in God's image. True love does not have fear. God's love does not have fear. Because perfect love will cast out fear. Why? Because fear has torment. Do you, do you know that fear will torment your life? If you allow fear to consume your life, it will torment your life. That's what I mean that a person that lives in fear lives in agony. It will torment your life. Because it says, He, he that has fear has not been made perfect in love. That the one who knows Christ and true fellowship lives for Him and does not need to fear for the future. Listen, if you say that you're a true believer of Christ, a true follower, a true Christian, and if you have true fellowship with God, true fellowship with Jesus Christ, that you are in your Word reading, praying, fasting, laying a hold of God, that you shouldn't be tormented by fear. You shouldn't be fearful of the future. Because a person who experiences fear has not been made perfect in love. In other words, those who fear do not have a complete, a mature relationship with God. We're like, oh, Pastor, how dare you say I don't have a true relationship with Jesus? How dare you say I'm not a mature Christian? I heard people tell me this. Listen, I'm saying this because I. how dare you tell me I'm not living for God? How dare you tell me this? Listen, this, this is God's word. This is God's word saying that. This is I'm just reiterating what God's word says. It says, he that has fear is not made perfect in God's love. That there is no fear in love. And what is love? What is love? God is love. So there is no fear in God. We understand godly fear, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about where you're scared, you're tormented. You walk out in the astronaut suit because you're afraid you might be exposed to something. It's crazy. You do that. You know what? I'm not going to go here because of this, because of that. Pastor, I can't come to church because what happens if I get the Rona? Yeah, I see them at Walmart. Like, hey, what's up, man? I thought, you know, I don't know. Or you know what? I've seen people. I won't even, I won't even say anything. I'm there at the store. The aisles and this, I'm telling you from experience. The aisles are packed out. This is the whole middle of the whole quarantine. Pastor, I can't come to church because in the whole quarantine lockdown, we still had our house open. Tell people, you want to come to church? Come to church. Our doors are open. We're not on a shutdown. We didn't have a building. But we're still having to come to... Hey, Pastor, I can't go, man, because all this crazy stuff. I'm going to stay home, stay safe. We're, I'm just trying to flatten the curve. All this nonsense. And then I'm there at HB, you know, I'm wearing my sweats, my hoodie, all that stuff. I'm, I'm walking. I'm like, oh, man, they just said they couldn't come to church. But here they are in HEB. Pastor, I can't go. Yeah, see, and I don't tell them anything. And I just go about my way. Hey, just hey, call in to see how you're doing. Oh, man, I've just been staying home. And I was like, oh, really? Yeah, I haven't gone anywhere. And I'm like, dude, I just saw you at the store. But you know what? I'm not going to say anything. That just shows who they are. Anyways, I'm going on the rant now. 
But you know what? The mature believer can look to the future with joy rather than fear. Because the mature believer can look at the future and say, you know what? There's joy. There's peace. There's destiny. There's calling. There's purpose. There's lost souls out there that need the gospel. That you can look at the future with joy rather than fear. Listen, this is not to say that we're reckless. I'm not saying be reckless and people say, oh man, pastor, that church over there, they're reckless, I don't care. No, I'm not saying that. But to be lateral thinkers in approaching the things. And as we begin to move the church of God forward, we have to be lateral thinkers. That this should be your wake-up call to stop being fearful. To start being aggressive. We have to be aggressive towards the things of God. We have to be aggressive towards the things of the world. To say, no, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm not going to stand for that. No, that's not allowed. No, Christians don't talk that way. No, there's no wine to unwind. You hear people say this nonsense. Jesus drank. No, we're not going to do that. Because I'm going to be aggressive towards the things of God. I'm going to stand for righteousness. I'm going to stand for holiness. But you know what? I'm not going to be fearful. We will not be dictated by the fear-driven media. Look at the media. Right now, it's all the snowstorm, all this stuff. That's their focus. As soon as now that everything's being cleared... Oh, now they're gonna, I guarantee it. They're going to start saying with the COVID and the cases rising. You know, I look at the news on my phone. A family died. Family died. This person died. And they show up a, a, a picture of, you know, a family. And you, oh my God, what happens if that's me? But they don't say all the people that have survived it. All the people that have overcome it. The survival. They don't tell you that. They just show you the one case. The one worst case scenario of someone dying. It's like when my wife has a headache and she's like, babe, my head hurts. I'm going to go, don't Google it, man. Do not Google your symptoms. If your foot hurts and you go, why does my ankle hurt? You got cancer. You got 13 days to live. You look up your symptoms on Google and you look, you look up a rash. Oh man, I got this little blister rash. And they show this like leprosy in this guy like this and you think <laughs> you're going to die. <laughs> but you know what? Because the world's driven by fear. They want to put that fear in you. And you're like, oh my goodness. And you chop off your head. You know, someone did that. They said, if you, if you cannot stop from sinning, pluck out your eye, cut off your hand. Someone literally plucked out their eyes. Cut off their hand because you know what? I cannot stop sinning. So I'm just, I can't stop looking at pornography. So I'm going to rip out my eyes. That doesn't, that doesn't stop you from sinning. Because you know what? You got your mind. That doesn't mean, doesn't mean don't go pluck out your eyes, chop your hands. How about making a stand and say, you know what, I'm not going to do that. I want to take dominion over my mind. I'm going to take every thought into the captivity, into the obedience of Christ. We're not going to let the outside world drive the church of God. Rather, the church of God should drive the outside world. That's why I hate to see... Uh, anyways. Do you know what? Jesus is the perfect love. Jesus is the perfect love. 
Well, look at the future glory. Romans chapter 8, verse 35 through 39. Man, that was just my first point. To get started, guys. <laughs> Buckle up, we're going for a ride. The, flu- the future glory, Romans chapter 8, verse 35 to 39, tells us who shall separate us from the love of Christ. This is Paul talking to the church in Rome. This is the Apostle Paul saying, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Ask your, pretend this is Paul writing this letter to you. Imagine Paul asking you, who shall separate you from the love of Christ? He says, shall tribulation, meaning shall trials, distress. What does distress mean? You're worried, torment, fear. You know, when people are lost at sea, they're in, they send a distress signal. Help, persecution, weapons of... They pass a law tomorrow, you cannot gather in church or you will be arrested. How are you going to respond to that? You're going to say, you know what, I'm not coming back to church. Or you're going to say, you know what, I don't care what the world says. I'm coming to church. Or famine. Listen, right now, there's no food, no rice, no eggs, beans. People are freaking out. You stand there like, no, F you, man, I need those. And people start duking out. And the thing, and you just forget that you're a Christian. Are you going to let that drive you, separate you from the love of Christ? Or nakedness? Or peril? Or the sword? If you don't know what that means, look it up. As it is written, for, the, for, the, for thy sake, we were killed all day long. Understand, Christians were being killed. They knew that you were a Christian. They were killing you. Are we facing that today? No, not here in the U.S. But don't be foolish to think that will not come. We never thought we would be wearing masks in the U.S. We saw China doing that. Like, why are they doing that? Now, if you don't wear your mask, people look at you as an outcast. Imagine, two years ago, if you showed up to a store wearing a mask, what the heck is wrong with this dude? The other day, I walked into H&M without my mask because I didn't have any. Walked in and people were with their basket running away from me. And I felt, I was telling Sam, I felt like I was committing a, back then when I used to do things, your heart will pump and your hands are like, oh man, I'm about to do this thing. You know what I mean? It's about to go down. You know, you get that. And I was walking in the store without a mask and here I am having this at I'm like, why do I feel like I'm committing a crime? But this is where we are at now. For thy sake we are killed all day long. He tells us we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Listen to that. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. San Antonio had the slaughterhouse. You could you could see they just had them lined up one by one and just killing them. If you ever seen the slaughterhouse and hang them up and just kill them. They're all there struggling, fighting, and just slicing their throats all day. Saying that's how the Christians were. That's how we were seen. But he says, nay, he says, no, don't be foolish. None of this, none of this stuff shall separate us from the love of Christ. He says, for all these things, we are more than conquerors, more than conquerors through him that loved us. 
this is what this verse means. You see on people's things, oh, I'm more than the conqueror. I broke my nail more than the conqueror because I want to show up to church like this. You know, you, you, you think of the small petty things people cry over and they say, well, I'm more than the conqueror. But, but this is what the Scripture means. This is the true essence of the Scripture. That people are losing their lives, yet they still gathered. They still were out there sharing the gospel, knowing that their lives were on the line. And Paul says, no, none of this shall separate you from the love of Christ. Why? Because more, we are more than conquerors through Him, which is Jesus that loved us. And Paul says, for I am persuaded. Listen, people are persuaded for the easiest Hey, sister, have a drink. It's wine, man. Like I said, just have, have a sip. And you're sipping next thing you know. You're there all partying. And, hey, and, you know, God said He put every seed on the earth. Just smoke, man. Be a Christian. You could smoke and just still live for God. We're easily persuaded by the smallest little things. Smallest little. It doesn't even take much persuasion. Come to church. No, I can't come to church, Pastor. And you're there like texting, calling. Come this night, Sunday night. Come Sunday. Oh, I can't, Pastor. There's too much. You have to party. You're up there. all <laughs> Partying. But he says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present or things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen to what Paul is saying. That is powerful because who would have thought that we would be facing COVID five years ago, two years ago, ten years ago. But this is what Paul is saying, nor things to come. Because you think this is the worst we've seen. Believe me, there's even worse to come. There is something even worse than COVID that's going to hit the U.S. And Paul is saying, nor, neither those things that are to come is going to separate me from the love of Christ. There shouldn't be anything in this world that would cause a separation from Christ Jesus. Yet many people are allowing this moment that everyone is facing to separate themselves from Christ. People that I looked up to as believers no longer believer because they allowed this to separate them. You cannot allow the enemy to drive fear into you. Rather, you drive fear into the enemy. Listen, do not allow the enemy to drive fear into you. But you drive fear into the enemy. Say, no devil, you will not have your hand upon my family. No, you will not speak that into my life. But rather, you drive fear into the enemy. How? By praying, fasting, reading your word, laying a hold of God... Waking up early and say, you know what, I'm going to pray and I'm going to scare the devil. That the devil should be fearful when you wake up and say, oh no, she woke up. Oh no, he's up. That demon should tremble at your prayers. Oh man, here, sister, praying man, let's run. Because her power, her prayers have power. But now that you wake up, like, oh my God, I'm waking up. Man. What's today going to bring? But no, you drive fear into the enemy. Because the enemy knows you're weak. He knows you're weak and he will capitalize on it. You know, it's like Mortal Kombat, man. I used to love playing Mortal Kombat. At the end, what happens is finish him. You already defeated the guy. 
And what is it? You want to finish them off? You want to do the big old fatality? Rip off their heads, their hearts? Because you don't, you just want to finish them off. That's what the enemy's trying to do to you. He's trying to capitalize on your weakness, on your fear. But you have to drive fear into him so he knows not to mess with God's people. Listen, this is one of the ways Alexander the Great won his battles. Look, if you look at who he was and how he won, he knew how to drive fear into his enemies. That people got word of who Alexander was. They knew what he was doing. How he was taking over all this land. They didn't have social media back then. They weren't posting it on Twitter and on the Instagram or on Facebook. They weren't going like, oh, look what Alexander did. Mm -hmm. You know, they were sending letters to other people like, hey, this is what's happening. There's this guy called Alexander the Great and he's conquering these cities. And, oh, who is this? No, oh, it's a 20-year-old dude. This dude's young. And you know what, what would happen? Because Alexander was driving fear into his enemies. That when Alexander would show up to these mighty... You're talking about mighty kings. Mighty kings. Who had armies, battalions, had resources. Alexander would show up on his white horse. And they would just open the gates and say, come in. We don't want to fight. We don't want anything to do with you. Because we heard who you are. Hey, take over. Just spare our lives. Spare us. We don't want to fight. We don't want anything to do with you. Hey, whatever is here, it's yours. And Alexander would just walk in with all his people and say, you know what? Y'all are now under my rule. I'm not going to kill you, but you're under my control now. And he just go on to the next city. Didn't have to fight. Didn't have to do anything because he drove fear into the enemies. To go to the next town, the same thing. They would welcome him. They really knew message got out or he would send messengers. And here comes Alexander the Great, and they would welcome him, have parties, all this stuff. Come right in. It's all yours. This is what we have to do to the enemy. That the enemy knows not to mess with God's people. Not to mess with your family. Not to mess with your walk. But listen, we understand as I was reading the story of Alexander the Great, I'm like, man, that's awesome, that's powerful. But you know what? You're more than what he was. You're more than what Alexander the Great accomplished. Maybe you're not able to conquer half of the war like he did. But you know what? You're more than what he accomplished. Why? Because through Christ, we're more than conquerors. This is what Paul is saying. Alexander the Great was known as a conqueror and what he did. But God says, you know what? You're more than that. You're greater than what he did. You will overcome the adversary. And the Apostle Paul realized this could only happen in Jesus Christ. Paul had a military mindset. He understood that the enemy will try and undermine you in your walk. That the devil will try to break your foundation, to make you crumble, to make your faith crumble. But the devil works in all these afflictions. You understand everything that Paul described in this verse. The devil works behind each and one of those things in tribulations, in trials. 
And Paul says, and many people are led off course, and they become entangled in them, led to their spiritual slaughter. Listen, are you persuaded this morning? Are you without a reasonable doubt that you will overcome in the perfect love of Jesus Christ? Now, are you sure without a reasonable doubt? It's like when you stand in court. Have you ever been in court? Been on trial? Yet they have to prove without you. Know, they have to have a reasonable doubt that you did do that. But you have to have that mindset. To, you know what? It doesn't matter what goes on. I will overcome through the perfect love of Jesus Christ. That this description comes from the Greek word hyperkonomia, which carries the idea of extraordinary. This word persuade carries the kind of the 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 meaning or the idea of extraordinary. Exceeding victory, not just a win. Oh man, just thank God that I got. No, an exceedingly win. In a continual state, that means you're continuing to win battle after battle after battle after battle to perpetuate, increase, and triumph. That each battle that you win is increasing. But does this mean that none of these troubles will ever happen to us? Or that we could eliminate? Eliminate them in our life? No, clearly not. This does not mean that we will never go through a trial, or we will never go through an issue, or we will never encounter fear. It's not saying that. Or we could eliminate them a hundred percent in our life. But based on the context of this passage, it's even more. It's important to note that many of them happened to Paul himself. Paul understood those things happened to him. But what Paul is telling us is that these things cannot overcome God's love. And these things cannot overcome God's love. The love that God has gained for us. That you could have the confidence in that. That if you are in God's love, none of these things could overcome you. Why? Because God's love has overcome all those things. And if you are in Christ, He will protect you. He is the Good Shepherd. And you could rejoice. You could be happy this morning to say, you know what? I have the victory in Christ Jesus. I have the victory because I am a Christian. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57 through 58 tells us, But thanks be to God, which hath given us the victory through our Lord Christ Jesus. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, be unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. This is Paul again telling the church at Corinth that be thanks to God. That you can give God the thanks. Why? Because God, you've given me the victory through Christ Jesus. And if you have the victory, Paul's saying, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. Continue moving. Continue doing the work of the, of the Lord. Be unmovable. Meaning, it doesn't matter what happens. Nothing's going to move me from coming to church. Nothing's going to stop me from being in fellowship with the church. That I'm always abounding in the work of the Lord. Meaning, you're always helping the church move forward. 
Pastor, Samantha, what do you need? What can I do? Do you need help in this? Can I help clean the church? Can I help do this? Can I help do What do I need to help advance the gospel? Maybe you see a need. Take initiative. And you know what? I'm going to follow up on this person. Hey, brother, how's everything doing? Do you need a right to church? I want to open my house. Hey, I want to have fellowship in my house. Why? Because he, he, the Bible tells us that your labor is not in vain. That your labors, the things that you do for the kingdom of God, does not go in vain. That God sees everything that you're doing. That the outward manifestation of your life shall produce praise towards Jesus. That your life shows adoration towards God. Your life, everything that you do in your life, shows praises to Jesus. If you look at your life, does your life show praise to our God? Because He has given you the victory. If you are steadfast, unmovable, abounding in His work, all the issues of our life should be replaced with courage, with praise, with joy, prayer, evangelizing. That you're called to labor for the kingdom of God. That this is the least that we could do after He bore our sins on the cross. That your life can become a beacon. A beacon of hope, not bacon. Your life cannot... Your, it's a beacon of hope. What is a beacon? It's what floats in the water to show you where shore is. When you, if you've been out, like at the lake or the river, the ocean, they put these things that float. It's a beacon to show you this is where shore is at in case you're lost. But that your life would show that to others that look, there is hope. That my life is a beacon of hope that people can look at your life. People may reject you evangelizing, but you know what? People are going to go through things. And at the end of the day, they're going to know I could count on her. I could call my sister. I could call her. I could call him because you know what? Their life has shown steadfast, unmovable, unshakable. Do you know what? I never believed anything that they said, but you know what? I'm going through it now and I need someone to help me. I'm going to call him. I'm going to call her. Because it's all about Jesus. The purpose for you to overcome is the name of Jesus will be glorified. He has made everything subject to Him. Understand that, that Jesus has made everything subject to Him. That everything is under His authority. He has control of everything in this world. That those that understand and grasp this revelation will know the power that be will be granted to them in the salvation through Jesus. If you understand this and you have this revelation, you will understand the power that you possess. But you know what? The devil doesn't want you to understand the power that you have in you. Listen, many people will seek and look for answers in other places. People always say, you know what, Pastor? It was good the time that I was here, but you know what? I need to go look for answers other places. 
I need to go here. I need to go there. I need to go find answers over here and this psychiatrist and this counselor, this place, that place, you know, over here, over there. They go look for answers all over the place, but to no avail. When the reality, it's only in Jesus Christ. It's not in New Age stuff. It's not in this energy frequency stuff. I've heard people that, oh no, I just need to start doing yoga. You know, if you look at the root of the root of what yoga is, it's demonic. That's why we don't do yoga. We don't do yoga classes in church. That's stupid when you see churches out there offering yoga class. If you look at the root of what yoga is, it's demonic. It's an idolatry. It's in Hinduism. It's in false gods. No, but that's you know that's a pad. No, you're still opening those doors. That Alexander, and I'm getting really close here. Alexander solved the guardian knot. If you look up what the guardian knot meant, it, it was an oracle like this guy who you know this guy had declared that anyone that could unravel. Its elaborate knots was destined to become the ruler of all of Asia. Listen, there's this knot, this elaborate knot. And this oracle said, whoever could unravel this elaborate knot will become ruler of all Asia. Many people tried and nobody was able to do that. But listen, this is where I'm talking about lateral thinking, where you approach your issues and your situation, you approach the world through a different perspective. When Alexander approached the knot, everybody's looking at Alexander like, oh, how is he going to unravel this? You know what Alexander the Great did? He grabbed the sword and he just cut it in half, broke it. He said, you know what? I don't have to unravel. I don't have to do the things these people expect me to do. You know what? I'm going to come at this a different way. And he cut the thing right in half. And he proceeded to eventually capture all of Asia. In order for you to move forward and advance, you're going to cut this thing in half. You have to cut fear in half. It's not the what psychiatrists and psychologists say, oh, you have to approach. No, you cut that thing in half and say, you know what? Fear, you no longer dictate my life. You have to take this radical approach. In the realm of what we're dealing with, you have to clearly seek the mind of God in this light. Not approaching irrationally, but with wisdom. Listen, in North Korea, Christians... North Korea Christians look at their lives. Just look at North Koreans. If you know anything about North Korea... They're the heavily, heaviest persecuted nation on the world in the world... If you think your walk is difficult, measure your Christian walk with their lives. I encourage you to do a study on Christians in North Korea. If you think your life is difficult, look at their lives and measure your walk with theirs. And then stack COVID-19 on top of that. Listen, with little to no health care over there, run down hospitals, no electricity. You think it was bad just these couple of days with no electricity, people are freaking out. North Korea lives at years, decades, no electricity. 
yet they function without fear but with wisdom. Yet they are thriving by the hundreds of thousands. North Korea Christians are thriving. There is revival in North Korea. You know, and we and we think if you could look it up for yourself and you begin to think, God, give them food, give them this, give them that. But listen to what Christian in North Korea said. He says, We don't seek people's pity, but we seek people's prayers. He said, Don't feel sorry for us, but pray for us. This is his praise. He says, Pray that the regime open their hearts to care for those that they lead, particularly the children and the elderly. And he gave this song. Listen, having a Bible in North Korea is illegal. If they find out you have a Bible, they will put you, your children, and three generations after you in concentration camps. They find, they find out you're a Christian, that's where you're going. Listen to what he says. He reads this verse out of Psalm 103, verse 1 through 20. Out of the depths... Have I cried unto thee, O Lord? Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. There's no reason you shouldn't overcome. We could go in circles all day long on why you can't do it. Hear this all the time. Pastor, and people are just blah, 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 blah. And they just sometimes like, shut up. Shut up. Listen, you could do it. Always every excuse, everything, they're just going on and on, and people just cannot hear what you're trying to tell them. It's like they're not listening to understand, but rather they're listening just to speak, to respond. That there's nothing else that He wants for His people that you pray for salvation for those that are lost. I like every head bowed, every eye closed this morning, and reverence to God. As we bow our heads this morning, no one moving around. As we understand everything that's going on in the world, everything that's happening right now. Maybe you're not suffering from fear from COVID, but maybe there's other fears in your life that has plagued your life. Maybe you're consumed with all these other issues, all these other burdens. There's weights in your life. There are hindrances in your life that are trying to hold you back. It's like every time you take a step forward, you take three back. Every time you take a step forward, you take ten back because of these weights, these hindrances, these issues in your life. But this morning, you have to make a decision. Say, you know what? No longer am I going to allow that to hold me back. Whether people want it or not, I'm going to continue to be unstoppable. I'm going to be relentless. I'm going to be fearless. I'm going to advance in the things of God. I'm going to fulfill my purpose, my destiny, my calling. That I want to approach this with a lateral thinking. I'm going to cut this thing in half. There's nothing that's going to separate me from the love of Christ. Maybe there have been things in your life that's been holding you back. 
But you say, you know what, devil, no more. I'm going to drive fear into the enemy. The way Alexander cut that knot in half, that's the way you have to approach things. With a radical approach, you have to come at it from a different angle. Don't do the same thing over and over expecting a different result. But you know what? I'm going to approach this in a different manner. I'm going to start hitting my knees and praying. I'm going to start reading my word. I'm going to start fasting. I'm going to start waking up 30 minutes earlier and start laying a hold of God. I want to find time to say, you know what, God? I want to be attentive to my prayers. And your word says you will hear my prayers, God. Maybe that's you this morning and say, you know what? I've been consumed by fear. I've been consumed by these issues. They have overcome my life. They've been a burden. They've been holding me back. They've been weighing me down. Maybe you could ask and be honest with yourself. Say, you know what? Am I really living for God? Have I really surrendered my heart to Christ? Or maybe in your heart you feel you've backslidden. That you once were living for God. Now you look at your life and say, you know what? I'm not even living for God. My heart's not right. If that is you just with an uplifted hand as a sign to God saying, God, that is me. Praise God. God sees that. You can put your hand down. Anyone else this morning, uplifted hand, saying, you know what, God, that is me. Praise God. You can put your hand down. Honest hearts this morning. Anyone else? Maybe fear has consumed your life. And you're ready to say, God, I'm ready to let go of this fear. That is you. I encourage you. Come before the altar. If you raise your hand, come to, come, come to the altar. Let me pray for you. If you raise your hand, want to rededicate your heart, want to give your life to Jesus Christ, you want to reestablish your walk with God, come before God's altar. I want you to lift your hands before God's throne as a surrender to God and repeat this prayer and say, Jesus, I come before your throne. I acknowledge my sin my shortcoming, my failings. And I ask you, come into my heart as my Lord and Savior. And I acknowledge you died on the cross. You shed your blood for my sins. I give you my heart, my mind, my soul in Jesus' name. And I give it to your kingdom from this day forward. And all the days of my life. In Jesus name. Amen. I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, I come before your throne, dear God. I bind every strategy of hell right now, dear God. Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus right now. Yes, Lord, I pray, dear God, right now for my sister, dear God. Lord, that you would touch her life, dear God. I pray a hedge of protection, dear God. Lord, I bind every evil spoken word coming against her, against her life, her purpose, her calling, her destiny right now, dear God. Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus, a hedge of protection, dear God. Lord, that you would cover her right now, dear God. Lord, we send it back to the enemy tenfold. So, no, 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 no
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I encourage you, kneel before God's altar. Lay a hold of God. Pray. For the rest of y'all, I want to open these altars for a time of prayer. Come before God's altar. Lay a hold of God. And for the rest of us, we're going to stand to our feet as we sing this song.